0: Welcome to the Meeting the Moment podcast, a show featuring stories by Stanford students about how they're meeting big moments in their lives. All of the students featured are fellows in the Office of Religious and Spiritual Life at Stanford. I'm Adeswa Agmoyla. Stories have the power to teach us and heal us, guide us, and even inspire us to change. Stories engage the big, unanswered questions we all face. That's what you're going to hear on this podcast. Stories of people making meaning of big questions. Each episode of the show corresponds with a monthly theme, and each story recounts meaning made of a challenging moment. It's October 2020, our theme is Finding Ground, and JJ Kapoor, Class of 2022, has a story about that. It's called Warm Smile Hot Cha.
1: As a little boy, Fridays are my favorite night of the week. On Fridays, I hop in the back seat of our Pontiac, Montana, and we make the 10-minute drive to Nani Nanu's house. That's what we call my grandparents' house, for my grandmother, Nani, and my grandfather, Nani. As an only child, life with mummy and papa is quiet. But Nani-Nanu's house is full of noise, controlled chaos. I relish it. When Nani-Nanu's garage door opens, the first thing that hits me is the smell of spices from my grandmother's cooking. Cardamom, cloves, onions, garlic, ginger, turmeric, a punch in the nose. The best part about going to Nani Nanu's house is that it always starts with tea time. Now, tea time, or as we call it, cha time, is a Punjabi tradition my family keeps alive. But it's not exactly a typical Indian tea time. We walk through the garage, drenched in the scents of India, and add a new smell to the mix. McDonald's chicken nuggets, our favorite tea snack. As I step into the house, I hear the familiar melody of a spoon jingling as it stirs the contents of a cup. My grandmother stands across from the microwave, pouring steaming hot milk into each mug, letting the tea steep. We use Lipton tea bags for our cha, a nifty shortcut. With a warm smile and open arms, Nani hugs me. I bring my hands together and greet her. Satsriyakal. True is the name of God. I then bend at my waist, reach out my hand, And touch her feet. Our family is Sikh. In the Sikh faith, touching the ground on which our elders stand is a form of respect, humility, a suppression of ego. It's saying, You are older and wiser and more experienced than me. I am blessed to share this ground with you. My grandfather, Nanu, sits at the end of the dining table with legs that once traveled to every corner of the Indian subcontinent, Nanu now walks slowly, scrunched over, holding his walker. But his enthusiasm is still boundless, infectious, and lights the entire room. The moment he sees me, he bursts into a song and dance performed at the Punjabi Harvest Festival, Lordi. Sunder a Mundri Terra convichara Dully putti vala Dully divia share a shakirta pie while singing. Nanu flicks his wrists back and forth, claps his hands, and snaps his fingers, just like he's conducting an invisible orchestra. As I dance with Nanu, Mummy sticks the now lukewarm chicken nuggets in the toaster oven. Nani adds honey to the cha for everyone except me. I take sugar in my tea, and Papa helps lay the table. When Papa makes a mistake in the kitchen, or as he says... When the curry hits the fan, mummy will make sure he knows it. You've put too much milk in my cha! My father sighs. Twenty years have gone by, my dear, and I still can't make a cup of tea for you. But Nanu's cha is just right. A few sips are all it takes to transform his boundless enthusiasm into a stream of calm, like the five rivers flowing into Punjab. For Nanu, tea time is story time. My grandfather whispers in my ear, Jivanjot, I want to tell you this story in private. I follow Nanu to his bedroom. While he slowly climbs into the bed, I fold his walker and place it neatly by his nightstand, and I lay down next to him. As conversations cackle from outside the quiet, serene bedroom, Nanu begins a story I've heard a hundred times. But somehow, this story never gets old. It's the story of how my grandfather helped people find their footing, even when he didn't have his. It's a story that starts in the golden land of Punjab. When I was only 16 years old, my father died of leukemia. This was at a time when a now highly treatable disease was a death sentence. I was the eldest of eight siblings, which meant I must become the breadwinner for my family. I needed a job. My uncle, Baldev Mamaji, helped me find one, a meager job working at a small shoe shop in Amritsar. Sitting by my side, Nanu dunks his chicken nugget in a heap full of ketchup, takes a bite, and continues his story. When I went to shoe shops, the workers didn't care about the customers. They cared only about the money in their pocket. But I saw it differently. Every soul who walked into my shop was God-sent. Never. Never a stranger i made sure to treat everyone with a warm smile and a hot cup of jaw. after a customer found a pair of shoes they liked i carefully placed their foot inside each one i was not satisfied until a cap oxford fit as perfectly as cinderella's glass slipper nanu's care paid off over 25 years, he went from a rank-and-file employee in one small shoe store to managing dozens of stores across northern India. Nanu rose to one of the highest positions in the Corona Shoe Company. But then, on October 31st, 1984, my grandfather lost his footing. That day, Indra Gandhi, India's prime minister at the time, was assassinated by her Sikh bodyguards, an event that triggered a bitter clash between Hindus and Sikhs. Historians call it the 1984 Sikh genocide. On November 1st, the day after Indra Gandhi's assassination, Mummy School, a school named after a Sikh guru, Guru Har Public School, was destroyed. A crowd of rioters broke open the school's gate. They burned three school buses and set the basement on fire. Computers were smashed, desks and chairs smoldered in the schoolyard. My grandfather never forgot my mother's reaction. She wasn't in class that day, but she was shaken to the core by what had happened. Her school had gone up in a billow of smoke incomprehensible to her 15-year-old mind. Looking at his devastated daughter, Nanu realized India was no longer a safe place for his family. And for Nanu, family came first. His brothers and sisters had already moved to America. Maybe, he thought, it would be safe for his family there. When Nanu told his company that he needed to leave India, they offered every luxury imaginable to persuade him to stay. A bungalow in Mumbai, a chauffeur and company car, a promotion to director of sales, and a salary that reached the sky. Nanu then had to make one of the most difficult decisions of his life, to walk away from all the accolades he could have ever asked for, to step into thin air. At this point in the story, my grandfather recalls his first impressions of California. I remember coming from the airport, driving down the freeway, and reading a sign that said, Welcome to Rancho Cucamonga. people. What is Rancho Cucamonga? They told me it is the ranch of the cockroach. Who the bloody hell wants to live in the cockroach? Nanu applied for a job to work at a shoe company in Los Angeles. He had over 25 years of experience working in the shoe industry, and naturally, he thought he'd be a shoe in But when he went for the interview, already in his late 50s, they said he was simply too old. They also said his turban and beard were unprofessional, too un-American. If he wanted to work for the company, He needed to look the part, unwind the turban, shave the beard, then maybe they could hire him. Nanu refused. His turban was his crown. His long hair was a gift from God. To keep his roots alive, Nanu realized he would have to start from scratch. With shoes ruled out, Nanu decided to focus on another garment. Clothes. Nanu partnered with Lan, a hard-working Korean man, and they started a dry-cleaning business. Nanu and Lan spoke different languages and came from very different places. But they shared one thing. They both needed to make it in America. That was their common ground. Just as in his early days of the shoe shop in India, where he took loving care of his customers. Now in America, Nanu personally picked up and delivered his customers' clothes at their home, free of charge. People thought I was crazy. They said, oh man, what are you doing delivering people's clothes to their houses? You won't make a dime. (laughs) What those people didn't understand was how to build a customer base. For Nanu, making a sale was temporary, but making a friend was lifelong. After five years of building the dry cleaning business, Nanu found his footing. And he decided it was time to rest. His own shoes were getting worn out. After all that walking, after I retired, my daughter, your mother, got married. Then you were born, and we all settled down in another place with another funny name Des Moines, Iowa. Finally, I could sit back, relax, and watch my grandson grow. With his cup of tea empty, and his favorite tale complete. Nanu asks me to help him out from underneath the blanket. We sit, side by side, on the edge of the bed. Nanu reaches over to his nightstand, opens the topmost drawer, and pulls out a gold watch. I bet it was shiny at one point, but... Now it's dusty and has lost its luster. Nanu turns over the watch, revealing an inscription. Corona Shoe Company Limited. A parting gift. Who hands the watch to me, and delivers the moral of the story? A belief that served him well, and one he wants to pass on to me. Jivan Jot, your name was chosen from Shri Guru Granth Sahib Ji, our scriptures. Your name means life's light. You must have a goal. Work hard and focus on achieving that goal. And one day, you will be like a star shining in the sky. When cha time is over, we say our goodbyes. As my family gathers at the front door, ready to leave, I tell Nanu, ji ka kalsa, ji ki fate." The pure ones belong to God, and to him victory always and forever. We embrace each other, and I bend to touch Nanu's feet. This time, it feels different. After hearing his story, I realize that when I touch Nanu's feet, I'm not just touching the ground on which he walks. I'm also touching all the lives he has touched. Just like a tent needs many anchors plunged deep into the soil to hold it down, humans need anchors too. The only difference is that what anchors us aren't metal rods. What anchors us are other people. When I touch Nanu's feet, I now see the million little anchor points Nanu sunk into the soil of his life to help him find ground. Anchors of attention, respect, and care secured by offering a simple cup of tea. So, the next time you are feeling unstable or like you've lost your footing, make a cup of cha, pull up a chair, and invite someone to join you. Don't forget the chicken nuggets.
0: This episode of the Meeting the Moment podcast was produced by Alessandra Wallner. Our music is by Lee Rosevear. The Meeting the Moment program and this podcast are hosted by the Office for Religious and Spiritual Life, or ORSL, in collaboration with the Stanford Storytelling Project and the LifeWorks Program for Integrative Learning. Meeting the Moment, which grows out of ORSL's Rathbun program, includes a student fellowship, a one-unit community-focused repeatable course, monthly public programs, and a growing list of curated resources for the Stanford community. Special thanks to Dean Tiffany Steinwert, Jonah Willinghans, Emma Master, and the LifeWorks Program for Integrative Learning. To learn more, Google Stanford meeting the moment.